Hello and welcome to Trees A Crowd. My name is David Oakes and this is a monthly podcast within which I get to talk to people who are dedicated to or inspired by our natural world. This month I am bringing you an interview that I recorded back in May of 2022, an interview that can't help but get a little political. And if you are up to date with British politics, and it's hard to be, then you will be well aware of how much has changed since then. For one, we've had two whole new prime ministers since I hit record on this one. But what is terrifying is that despite the headline differences, so much in British politics remains constant. And much of what you're about to hear remains equally as pertinent and prescient as it was six months ago. This month, I speak with the environmental protester Dan Hooper, but you'll perhaps know him better by another name, that of Swampy. Dan and his environmental concerns were brought into the headlines in the 1990s when at 23, having spent seven days beneath ground, he caught the attentions of the British press as he was evicted from a tunnel beneath the A30. Today, as modern environmental protest continues, whether with tunnels and tree climbing or with soup thrown at artwork and sit-ins in Westminster... I was keen to hear how exactly environmental protest has changed over 30 years and about what Dan has learnt about a life committed to imploring change. In short, how much power is there really in protest and can one learn to live with that? So, without further delay, this is Trees A Crowd and this is Dan Swampy Hooper. In the depth of the forest and all the world The pride of the greenwood there O'er his branches the ivy her mantle threw When the forest boughs were bare Oh, the oak and the ivy Oh, the oak and the ivy Oh Alright, first question Where are we? This is Teepee Valley It's in South Wales It's sort of a mountain valley It's been here since about 76, I think People moved here and used to live in teepees now people, some people live in teepees and other people live in other dwellings. And so. you, you don't, you live in a sort of, what is it, what would you call it? It's a grass covered... Yeah, it's a uh, roundhouse. Roundhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did so, you build it yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, me and my partner built it. She's a designer. Um, if she heard me say I built it, she would come <laughs> out straight away. <laughs> she is within hearing distance as yeah, well. So. exactly, yeah, 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 no. Um, but yeah, it's just... Um, straw bale in the walls sure. sort of um rend you know which is like um you know lime rend on the outside you have to have an overhang mm-hmm. so that the, you don't get splash onto the walls you know does That's... it get cold no the insulation's really it's, good. it's warmer than any house i've been in you know one burner runs the whole thing even in the morning in the winter you know we used to have a thing that said how um Warm it was, and it was always 15 degrees-ish in the mornings, sure. which is all right, That'll you know. Do. Yeah, yeah. Do. It's a hell of a view. I'm hoping the cuckoos are going to start singing again. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, we're about. at the bottom, so we get less of a view than some people. But, yeah, it's nice mountains over there. And it's growing a lot. You know, these were just open fields when we moved here, you know, and uh, obviously some of the trees were there. But, they, you know, it's amazing how the trees sort of come back. The other side of the hill was just fields before. That's total woodland now. Sure. So it's sort of regen without meaning to almost, you know, sure. or you, rewilding without meaning to, you know. So. Who owns the land if anyone can own the land? Uh, a trust owns the land. Okay. 
So um, that means no one, you, anyone who lives there uh-huh. owns it. But if you move away, you have no, Great. you have no stake in it at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you if you move away, we can't. We have to take everything with us. Sure. You know, all our place has, has to go. You know, and uh, you can't pass your place on to anyone uh-huh. because otherwise it's too easy for people. Yeah. You know, so when you first move here, you have to be in a movable dwelling for the first five years and move it winter, summer, you know, until you find the place you want to live on. Does anyone have an eye on your site then? Uh, people going, well, we're not, I mean, we're not moving anytime soon. You've been here for 18 soon. years, so like, I can't imagine you going. But like, no, no, I don't think we will, you know. Going, we want to get the Hooper Roundhouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if we, if we, we couldn't pass our roundhouse on to, to anyone, we'd have to take it all down, yeah, yeah. It you doesn't know. look like that would be easy. It looks sort of more permanent than a lot of modern houses they're building at the moment, to be completely honest. Uh, well, not really, you know, because it's mostly organic. Yeah. So, um, you know, you take the pond liner off, take most, you know, take anything that isn't, and you could probably set light to it. <laughs> it, would, it would burn clean. Um, so, where did you grow up? I grew up in Bedfordshire and then Buckinghamshire. So Not um, in somewhere like this, though, I imagine. No, no. No, I mean, we've we never lived in a city or anything, you sure. know, in, in towns, but, uh, you know, it was, um, and where I'd moved first, lived first was quite rural, mm-hmm. but yeah, and then I moved to Exeter when I was old enough to move away from home, and then from there, moved to protest sites, because it, it, Exeter was even too much of a city for me. Why did you go to Exeter? I had a girlfriend at university there. Always a woman, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We didn't last long, but, you know, know, she was great, but we didn't, you know, when you're young, you don't want to be with the same person all the time, do you? Um, I couldn't possibly comment. I'm not going to say anything on the record. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so we moved to... um, I moved to the A30 and then Newbury happened and all the different protests from there, you know, and just lived on protest sites then. So what drew you to protest in the first place? Well, I was hunt-sabbing before then. Um, Why were you hunt-sabbing? Why? Because... um, Other than the (coughs) fact that it's barbaric and pretty horrible. (coughs) Well, uh, that is the reason. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, pretty much the whole reason. Yeah, you know, I, I was vegan at the time. It was just to, to save foxes, you know. I didn't feel that, you know, it was the right way of going about things. And, you know, it's just mental, isn't it? You know, yeah. people riding around on horses, you know, pretending to be environmentalists. In costume. Chasing down in costume. Yeah, 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 it's just a load of pomp and awful sort of, you know, it belongs in a different era. So that was why I did that. But then, then a few people from there were going down to the Bath Eastern Bypass. Uh-huh. So I went down there with them, and that was uh, that was my first protest, really. <laughs> We've just been interrupted by a cat. Yeah. Which is, is this your cat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's What's his her name? Tubby. Hi, Tubby. Hmm. I think we're picking up the purr. We'll leave yeah. it. It's fine, I think. <laughs> nice bit of uh, diegetic sound design. Yeah. Just take Before we get into talking about the protest, like... I mean, it's, we say that it's obvious that we think that hunting is barbaric and mm. that the people who do it are doing something a little archaic. Why, what was it that drew you to that, though? What was it about your childhood that made you had sympathy for, for the cause of foxes? Because some people just don't. Some people, especially in cities, just see them as vermin. Mm. Some people, like myself, were a bit obsessed with animals and pretended to be them as a kid. Like, what right. was it for you? Like, what, why were animals a thing back then? I just don't. I don't. I, I think any any 
for me, any any wrongdoing is a wrongdoing. You know, whether it's people, foxes, the planet, trees, you know, anything that's... You know, it's not necessarily that I feel strongly mm-hmm. and foxes are my favourite animal or sure. anything like that, you know. Um, I obviously, you know, love nature, but, you know, if there's a wrongdoing, I feel that you have to do something about it. And we're talking um, about an, something being against sort of an ethical standard, not, obviously not a legal standard, like, because obviously laws take a little while to catch up to morals and ethics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they did ban hunting, didn't they? And that was the Labour Party. Ban, in inverted commas. Yeah, 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 it still carries on, doesn't it? And a lot of police turn a blind eye. You know, I mean, hunt sabs are still having to go out even today, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, know, a sad fact, isn't it? But um, from there, though, you know, moving on to uh, road protests, I could see a, a different picture where... You know the whole habitat of the animals. That's that's what moved me on to the sort of the road protest thing. Mm-hmm. The habitat of the animals, and all the, they were getting turfed out their homes. Yeah. And that's, you know there was the whole climate change thing, which is fairly not many that as many people were talking about then, not but we were. We're talking sort of mid nineties, uh, early nineties, uh, probably. I think Bath Eastern might have been ninety two or or ninety three. When was Newbury? Mid-90s, maybe, yeah. But Newbury was probably mid-90s. Yeah, I've got Fair Mile Down as 96 here. So oh, there we are. 30, yeah. So Newbury would have been a year before, before. that, and uh, Bath Easton probably a year before that, yeah. So you're probably best known for the Fair Mile protest on the A30, which mm. was your first eviction, so we'll get onto that. But what before you sort of became Wasn't my known first to eviction, the world... But first ah. tunnel eviction. First tunnel eviction. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me, what was what was your first landmark experience as a protester? What's the first memory for you? Uh, that would be a Huntsab thing, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I remember coming out of the van, and then people just walked into this field past this farm, past these police and farmers, and I thought, oh, we could get away. What? This is good. You know, it's something you never think you could do. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was, uh, you know, it felt quite powerful to be able to do that. Is power the overriding feeling of any protest? Do you come out of it feeling that you've had, even if it's just in the short term, a sense of achievement to have slowed something to? Or do you often come out feeling disenchanted and disenfranchised? I think it can depend um, on how well it's gone. <laughs> or, you know, I think resistance is powerful, and you, but, you, you know, I don't want to come across that we're only doing it because we want to be powerful or whatever you know but um you know because obviously a lot of protests is causing a disruption in people's lives you know it's just that the 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 issue itself and even more is becoming more and more important Mm -hmm. you know and as the years go on even more important and we we're not being listened to and uh, I think that's always been the case that, you know, we need to be listened to. But yes, a powerful def- definitely is a thing. And, you know, coming out of a tunnel eviction, the feeling of power is definitely there because you don't totally have them, you know, for a while. You know, and uh, there's been certain protests in my life where I've come out feeling really like, yay, we, we totally did something really good there. So your first, um, your first sort of well-known tunnel eviction was Fair Mile in uh, where was it, 1996. Yeah. You were 23? 
Is that about right? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I think about what, that. What is age? Yeah. Um, how long were you underground for? Only seven days. Okay. Yeah, which is nothing compared to the tunnel evictions happening how now. How long even. is the longest that anyone's been underground in a 40 project? days. So that was... Um, yeah, and it was. it's one that, you know, a Rettingdon uh, for a road, five of my friends were down there. And, um, yeah, it was amazing, you know, they stuck together. Uh-huh. I think they did bailiffs then, they didn't, didn't used to work 24 hours, whereas sure. now the bailiffs work 24 hours. Oh, so you knew that if you got through the day, you could at least relax for the night and then... Yeah, you know, yeah, okay. yeah, but, uh, you know, it was amazing, you know, this guy called Barbie who's still on the protest site now, you know. Woman called Joe. She's a, a solicitor helping uh, refugees. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, called Jenny. She did a lot of stuff in Palestine. Wow! You know, people have gone on to do amazing stuff afterwards. You know, um, Cherie, who's still on the squatter scene, I think, in, uh-huh. in Manchester. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, you know, amazing. It just was. A, I think it sounds like it was a coming together of very yeah. strong-minded people. And not one of them was prepared to come out sure. you know, before the others. So were they know. all locked on as well? Were they um, all... I don't think they were locked on. They just built. They dug more as they were doing as the eviction was going on. They kept on going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, do you know how much they dug? How many meters? Barbie could tell me that, and he has told me that, but I can't remember. Okay. Um, there was a magic number, but these days they do things differently. It was quite a shallow one, whereas now they would drop shaft. And try and get past, you know, so they would, you know, sure. so they got better techniques now for getting past that, and they got radar, so they could generally tell roughly so where you are. Access. So you've got to go deep if you can these <laughs> days, you know. I, so one of the things I came across was researching for this interview was Disco Dave's tunnel guide. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Disco Dave. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'd never really thought about it. Like you hear about people tunneling to yeah. form a protest, and you think, yeah. well, they've sort of gone under a bit and gone yeah. across a bit, and gosh, that must take a long time. And you sort of think about, I don't know, the Great Escape and the films like that. Yeah. And then you read this document, which is about 60, 70 pages long. Yeah. With all the different strategies. Yeah. Of of how to dig, of how to get oxygen down to you, yeah. how to secure the tunnels that you've gone through, the different yeah. chambers, the way to lock yourself down there, what forms of concrete to use. Like it's, And then also the thing that struck me was the sort of the behavioural side of it. It suggests that you've got to have respect for the bailiffs that are going to come to get you. Chances are they're just doing a job. And yeah, um, there was sort of a kindness to it. Now, I don't know whether that was just because it's written down in writing or whether or not No, I'd, I'd say that is uh, generally the case. I think it's got... With HS2, they don't allow the bailiffs to be friendly with you. In, in a way, his book sold it out sure, okay. a bit because he was like, yeah, the bailiffs are the dragging their hills. Don't tell him that. <laughs> so he did, uh, in a way, I think eviction sped up after that point. <laughs> but, um, and that's when the 24 hours started. I mean, the last eviction was, which is Wendover, the last eviction I was in. There's one going on now, by the way. But um, the last eviction I was in, I've never seen them going this quick. You know, and they this were working. To try and stop HS2. The bailiffs were working very hard. Sure. You know, and we did get on with them. You know, uh, you know, in a professional sort of way. You know, I, I, you know, you get a rapport. You're down yeah. there for a month with them. Of course, you're going to know them on first name yeah. terms. But um, 
they were really gunning for us. You know, we, we had to work and really hard. And that's just them being put under pressure from their bosses? Well, I, I think they, they would anyway, you know, I think... Um, I don't know, you know, but uh, they were definitely put under pressure by the bosses. But um, I think that they professionally wanted to get it over with, sure. you know. I mean, it's tiring for them as well, yeah, yeah. you know, but we, we didn't get much sleep. We, we were digging most of when we could, trying to just backfilling the tunnel with soil and stuff to try and get further away from them. Literally um, burying yourselves in the ground. <laughs> Kinda. At one point, yeah. <laughs> Have you been scared doing it? Not scared, no, no. There was a feeling at one point where we sort of bunged up. We put the soil in one of the passage, and suddenly we were like, somewhat, one of the people who was down there was like, "How are we going to get out?" And I was like, "Why are you saying this now? You should have said this when we started, really." <laughs> But yeah, when we didn't see the bailiffs for a few days and Satchel came out and sort of made a bit of a, a thing so that we could, you know, he sort of arranged it a bit differently. Everyone else was knackered. But Satchel was like a relentless beast who could just keep going yeah. no matter what. And uh, he, he managed to sort of, you know, pack, get it so that we could communicate easier and stuff like that. But yeah. How were you breathing? So they put air down to us usually. Uh, before the eviction, we have our own air supply, but okay. then they switch to their air supply, which they... In this eviction going on at the moment, they're denying them air. They're just... Which is outrageous, uh-huh. you know. So they, they, they're they having to be near... I guess... I mean, I only know from short text messages that I'm getting from the people there, but they've not given them monitors either. Okay. So having to be near the entrance, they're pushing air down. And I know the device, it sort of just pushes air rather than... Usually they they would give us a tube sure. and that would go to the end of the tunnel. And then uh, obviously we take more than, you know, they, they, than we need. Yeah. And they know we do that because we don't want them to know how, how far, far the tunnel is. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, they will measure it. Um, <laughs> but then they're, they're denying them that um, and they say they're not going to and they're just pushing air down, which is a very noisy cold thing and it only reaches a small part of the tunnel sure. but they don't do it all the time they're just doing it when they feel that they need to so there could be a build-up of say overnight you could it could drop and they might not notice uh-huh. and it could be very dangerous if i mean as they have actively cut off the air supply that you've constructed yeah and they're therefore denying you the air that they should be providing in lieu yeah where's the legality in that because that's essentially yeah, exactly. manslaughter. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's outrageous. And I don't, yeah, I don't think that... My, my feeling is, because I, I know the bailiffs well enough, they, they want us to be safe. They're, I don't think that they're going to be feeling that good about this. No. You know, I think it's... it's uh, HST has come from the top. Yeah. It could even come from government. I mean, knowing the government we, we have, you know, which is... I know for a fact that Pretty Patel was shouting at the police, telling them to get people off the street at the sure. last Extinction Rebellion thing, you know. So, so it could easily come from the top, you know, from government level where they're saying, no, just don't give them anything, don't give them, don't even give them air, you sure. know. Um, but it, it's a very dangerous game, and if if someone died, how would everyone feel? Yeah, you know. And, I mean, um, these, the, the bailiffs themselves aren't going out to kill people; they're there to to yeah. get people out of a tunnel. 
yeah it, it would be awful you know i'm very glad my son didn't make it down there sure um <laughs> okay. uh, and i mean there's two questions there one i want to ask you which i'll probably come on to is how do you feel with your son having followed in your footsteps but i'll mm. get into that in a sec as we we're on pretty patel the last interview i read with you was i think back in january yeah um which was before the police crime and sentencing act came into power in in april which basically at the whim of of government and police they can deem certain protests illegal and choose what is and what is not an appropriate protest yeah have you and people within your extended community felt a shift happen since the 28th of april it's too early to tell on that one i think um i think the rebellion was last rebellion was before then some of the worst laws haven't come to pass yet uh-huh. So I think the trespass one has, hasn't it? And a few, um, so far I haven't noticed, I've noticed a shift in how they deal with protesters through the government, Mm -hmm. but worse, kind of worse than what the the laws have put through at the moment. So they're putting more, they're trying to get the ones that didn't go through, through. That was in the Queen's speech, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. But um, the way they're dealing with people now is they're using uh, injunction. We had one put on us at uh, Euston, and basically we were in the tunnel, and they put an injunction on us. I didn't even know what it meant at the sure. time. You know, so we broke this injunction, obviously, because we were down there, allegedly, and didn't come out, and I thought they'd forgotten about it. But a year later, bailiffs started, you know, coming around looking for us, and basically these injunctions, uh, they're designed for... You know, the use of injunctions is designed if you've got a nuisance ex-partner or Uh something like that, you know, or say a stalker or something, you could get an injunction put on that person. From an area or from a person. Yeah, yeah. uh, these companies on loads of protests now are using injunctions to silence protests. And And specific people rather than groups of people. Both. uh, At HS2, they've got named people, so they're they're now trying to do an injunction on the whole route. There's 75, I think, named people, and there's uh, unnamed per- people. Are you a named person? Yeah, I'm named on that one. Is your one, son yeah. a named person? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is, yeah. Is yeah. there a badge of honour attached to being a named person? No. <laughs> no, you'd rather not. Does it feel like you've got a bounty on your head? Do you think people um, are actively looking for you? No. I mean, I've already had uh, dealings with the injunction thing, and, um, yeah, I'm just, at the moment, staying away from that but I kind of need to be at home with my family at the moment anyway because I spent so long away doing this that uh, you know I was lucky to have a family at the end of it. Do you think your family in one small weird way are pleased that you're being targeted specifically to try and keep you at home? (laughs) Well I think you know because uh, I mean Claire's very green as as well and we we came together through a protest but you know she was definitely hi she is yeah 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 i mean we came together through that but then you know the amount of time because it's not just the eviction say say you're doing in the tunnel for an eviction you've got to be on that site for and dig yeah. the tunnel be there in case bailiffs before. come all that sort of thing so um yeah when you started to have children you say claire was a protester with you for a bit did she stop protesting to allow you to continue did you both stop we both stopped, really. Well, my first child, I carried on. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you have to... I was sort of shared parenting with the other 
with the mum a bit. So <laughs> we, we sort of, you know, carried on in some way. But um, yeah, when we had Rory, we moved here. We still did a bit, you know, we went to the climate camps, but we didn't do, we slowed down on it, you know, and concentrated on living here. So know. with Rory growing up here and you be basically being here, when did he get the bug to follow in his father's footsteps? Well, lately, so, um, yeah, I mean, I went to HSD because uh, the, there was a rebellion going on and really, you know, I, I, I wanted to do stuff in the rebellion and people would, I We're don't talking know. talking extinction rebellion. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, basically I decided that I had more, I wanted to go to HS2 instead of get involved in that <laughs> rebellion at the time. And, um, and Rory once said, oh, I'll come with you. And then, yeah, he got the bug then. Sure. And he was a very quiet uh, lad, you know, sure. and, uh, at school he was sort of not, he didn't really fit in that much at school, you know, but as soon as he went there, and he was a very good climber, so he enjoyed, you know, just... Do you think he had to be a climber because you were a tunneler? Do you think it's that thing of like... Well, I'm a climber and a tunneler. Okay. So, yeah, he, and he's both, so often you find that the people who, you know, are good at one are good at both, sure. you know. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I'm, I suppose I'm defined as a tunneler, but I, I enjoy climbing. What do you think about the link that the fact that protesting seems to sort of ally itself with animal behaviour, whether it be digging like a mole or a, or a rabbit, making a warren underground, or climbing a tree like a squirrel and making a treehouse like a, like a bird? Like, is there... What is it about that parallel? Or is it just that human beings have sort of tried to annex our animal instincts and so we just stay walking around on the, the ground like odd bipeds yeah, I don't know I haven't thought of it like that really I suppose they're just the best way of dealing with bailiffs <laughs> <laughs> and defending places so you know you really have to think about when they're coming in how best to do it and mm. you know whether it's I mean obviously climate if you're gonna def- you're there to stop the trees being cut down mm-hmm. so climbing trees was a natural progression you know and then you know, I think at Bath Eastern, by the end, there were walkways between the trees. Sure. But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, obviously tunnels are just a better way of making things last longer. But I don't know if the animal... I mean, the people call people started calling us the badgers, <laughs> which kind of annoys me a little bit. You know, the badgers are still digging along. What would you rather be <laughs> if you could choose your... An animal? Yeah. I probably wouldn't put the animal <laughs> analogy on <laughs> I'll just go tunnelers. <laughs> um, so what was it about HS2 and the ancient woodlands that it's destroying that made you think that movement was worth sort of coming back into the spotlight? Well, it's so massive, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just huge. And, uh, you know, when the government is sort of pretending that they're trying to meet climate targets and stuff like that, you know, and then they're felling that amount of woodland. Sure. It's just, just backward thinking, you know, that uh, the, the solution is nature. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, you know, so we need to live more with nature. You know, trees, you know, making carbon catchers. When we got carbon catchers, they're called trees. Sure. You know, so, I mean, this is a huge amount. And, and also the, the, the wastage of money. It will never be anything like carbon neutral. No. There's big land grabs going with it as well. When you look at how, what they're taking, you know, there's uh, huge land grabs around cities. You know, Euston was uh, one of their prime examples where they'd just taken this park, you know, which was um, a quite important park, really, just outside mm-hmm. of Euston Station, for a temporary taxi rank. 
of I what's going to go there. They're not going to restore it to trees, are they? You know, it's going to be an office block or something, isn't it? It's prime land in the middle of London. You know, someone's making a hell of a lot of money on this. I think HS2 is a bit of a jobs for our mates sure. type of thing, you know, and um, 200 billion, it's, it's costing us well, you know. It, it just looking at the project, it was just like, hmm. This is not right. When you, when you first hear about it, you're like, oh, trains, nice. Trains, lots of people, yeah. public transport, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if they put that money, imagine if they put that money into getting the public tra- transport, which is on its knees, mm-hmm. running properly, it would be amazing. Do you think that, I mean, quite recently, a few of the extended northern legs of, of HS2 have been stopped and cut. Do you think that's because of success of protesters? that it's gone over budget or the fact that they were never going to happen anyway and they were just there to appease this levelling up mm. northern powerhouse scheme that doesn't seem to be materialising anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard one to answer, isn't it? You know, it's probably a bit of everything. But I think also the rhetoric around when, when that got stopped, the, the rhetoric around that was very much, oh, they're, they're upsetting, the, you know, look at the London, you know, which, which I can understand. Mm. But the actual fact is, if they put that money in, they, you know, they should be improving transport in that area anyway. Sure. You know, and, um, you know, there were better ways of doing it. There's an existing tunnel as well, which they could reopen. You know, there's, there's at a fra- it's all, all could be done at a fraction of the cost and it could be made loads better. So it's not going to stop. And HS2 isn't going to help the outlying vill- towns you know, it might might bring something to the city, but when when when, they, when like uh, the TGV started, they were like, "Oh, this is going to bring prosperity to the regions," and it didn't. It brought Just prosperity it to, to yeah Paris. Paris, yeah. So I don't think it's going to help in the slightest. Um, so you say there's a protest, uh, there's a an eviction going on at the moment. Yeah, that's where your son is. Yeah. Yeah. How long's the eviction been going on? How I think it's it on day on? eleven oh, now. Wow. How but many they... protesters are on site? I don't know. Uh, it's a very strange eviction. So there's some people down the tunnel. I think that maybe there's. Uh, I don't know if the bailiffs know how many people. I know how many people. <laughs> Hold um, up. Have, do it on your fingers, and no one needs to know. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, it doesn't really matter, but sometimes you know, less they know, the better. This will probably go out long after they've either succeeded or failed right yeah 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 i mean they they haven't even started digging in the tunnel apparently so that um as far as we could we're aware so um you know i I think it looks to me like they're just sieging them and denying them air at the same time and i think they're hoping that they'll get bored and come out which they don't know the people down there (laughs) it's like i know satchel very well one of the you know he was down that tunnel with us at uh Wendover and God is the most stubborn person I know. <laughs> He's definitely not going to come out without, uh, you know. <laughs> we were, he, was, uh, he was down there at the end with me. Um, is it the person who, the people who are down in a tunnel at the point where the bailiffs start to dig? Yeah. Because I imagine you rotate the people who are down there digging and living down there. Or do you sort of somehow choose who will be there for that final? Okay, so, you know, in, in the past... Like, we have a team of diggers and it's often you know people come and help and all that sort of thing and you need you need a line of bucketers the deeper you go the more people you need Mm -hmm. but um you generally find the team 
at that point, you know, and you've got to be a bit brutal sometimes, you know, and keep keep to the. If you have too many people, it's going to be horrible. Sure. And you're going to struggle to feed everyone. But um, at the same time, you know, you want as many. You want a team that you know is going to last down there, that generally yeah. gets on. Doesn't mind each other doing a poo in front of each other, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, you have to do that. That is the <laughs> point, yeah. It's probably the worst part of the day, to be honest. <laughs> do you all go at once just to get it done in one fashion? No, 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 no. And it's, it's often a pain because you have to... Some people like to be more private than other people. I don't care. You know? <laughs> Some people don't like that, you know. But, you know, you sort of all have to shift your position sometimes so that someone could go right to the back of the thing and you're like oh for god's sake can't you do it there (laughs) (laughs) um that's that's just one of the things that you have to do the best technique really is you have a little bucket with a bag over you know and Mm. uh see and then we we give the bag to send the bailiffs yeah 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 happy Um, christmas yeah (laughs) totally yeah you have to go oh mate you mind (laughs) you know (laughs) Yeah, but um, not the nicest for the bailiffs either. I always try and double bag it, otherwise you can get accidents on the way out. Um, oh. <laughs> sorry to... <laughs> no, not at all. Um, there should be more discussion about faeces on this podcast. <laughs> um, if you could give one piece of advice to the 23-year-old you back in your first hmm. tunnel eviction, what would it be? Be, be bounded with the press. How so? Just learn that you can say no even if you've initially said yes or something do you um, like the press some of them <laughs> i i think um in the past i've been there's value in it you have to get you know sometimes you ha- kind of have to get them and uh, for years i wouldn't have anything to do with them i was still protesting uh-huh. and they 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 were like oh he's come out of retirement no i'm just talking to you now i didn't yeah. used to talk to you um but uh there, there is value in it. I can see the value in it more. I suppose I've matured in that way. But I think sometimes the uh, there were people who weren't always nice. The Mirror were one of the worst ones, actually, really? funnily enough. Yeah. I would have thought they would have been... I mean, they're normally a bit more left-leaning. I they, they are, but they, you know, they're, they're a tabloid at the end of the day. I guess I didn't read The Mirror. So I... I, I think I, I can I, say I quite proudly don't know anyone who reads The Mirror. No, no. <laughs> So when I did read the mirror, I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing a, a diary. They, they wanted me to do this diary. And then I realised that they were, they were changing or someone was changing my words. Uh-huh. I think it was someone actually who was to do with a protest who think, thought he knew the media. Sure. OK. Um, not naming names. But uh, <laughs> it was, you know, and then it was just really. And then I read the article. I was just like, oh, my God. He's talking about what I had for breakfast. Stuff like that, you know, not yeah, like it's, it's anything not to do with cause. what we're it's, doing yeah. for the course and it's stuff. The celebrity you know. of it rather than yeah, the activism. Yeah, yeah. So I think it might be a weekly one. I can't remember now, but that was at Manchester. Has it changed I, protesting over the years you've been doing it? Like, is it has it become a more refined thing? Are you having to think bigger and better and stronger and wider? Sounds like a Daft Punk song. Um. Yeah, some things have changed in protest. So, you know, the sort of, I, I guess, Extinction Rebellion's changed it a bit, you know. and That was good because it brought it to a wider thing. I guess, uh, you know, you've always got Roger Hallam's new idea. Mm-hmm. 
coming in, which are something varying degrees of whether you think they're good good ideas or not. But it comes from a good place of heart, you know. And, sure. But uh, you know, when you take it to the site protest, I was thinking about it the other day. There isn't much change, really. You know, the the vibe's very similar, really. I think you know, it's a lot of people who care. Uh, of course, there's technology. Everyone's live streaming. Sure. You know, which I, I, do, I never do because I'm rubbish at it. Um, <laughs> so that's one thing that's different, I suppose. Yeah. Has that made it more effective, the fact that it's immediate and that you can't be so heavily handed? Well, I thought not, because I thought there's so many going out that people, no one's going to look at them all. But apparently people do. So it is doing something. I've watched a few of the HS2 live streams. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's often more stimulating viewing than the TV shows I've made. So. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> Again, not to name the names of the TV shows. But... I guess when you, you've been there and it doesn't look that exciting. I think sometimes people drama it up a little bit, you know, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, um... that's the question. Like, if, with, with press attention and with live streaming, is there, because people are more aware of it and the public are becoming numb to it, do you That's, have to sex it up a bit? Well, I, I don't. You know, like I was talking about the airless situation, I think people are so used to people saying something's dangerous or they're doing, you know, at Houston, there was a lot of, all oh, the babes are doing this and that. And I, I didn't agree with that. You know, I actually thought it was quite bad because I thought they're just doing what bailiffs do, yeah. which is getting us out and they're going to get us out, you know. So now there is an airless situation. It's like, oh, you've already said that they're unsafe. But sure. like, this is really unsafe, what they're doing now, you know, and I, if I say it's unsafe, it generally means it, you know, I, I, I don't say things are unsafe unless I really feel that what they're doing is unsafe. If it's becoming more unsafe, how do you feel as a father with a 17-year-old who's not underground at the moment, fortunately? But... Yeah, I mean, he, he uh, the bailiff got in quicker than he expected. And, so he uh, wanted so he, to be under there with Yeah, them. so he had to free climb this tree and apparently get over this traverse to get to the lock-on and stuff, yeah. So he did quite a heroic thing, you know, he managed to think quick and only just managed to, without getting grabbed, apparently, get up there. But he's a very good climber. Sure. And, um, he's not yeah, locked but I'm glad he's he? not in the tunnel, no. Okay. No, they had him out quite quickly. The, okay. um, a lock-on is when you've... You've created a mechanism whereby you can be attached to something normally. Yeah, so this one was a fortified tree house with a lock-on in it. So you put your arm in um, a, a bit of concrete with a tube in it, clip onto the tube, sure. and then they've got to chip out, you know, various things in it. And then they've got to chip it out, you know, um, usually with a, a, a... They usually use a Kango... Sure. Which is a small pneumatic sort of yeah jackhammer yeah and um, and uh, then with the metal they just get a grinder. How long was he grinder. locked on for? Not long. Uh, he was out by midday, but then they started quite early. But he was the only person in the tree, so oh, okay. you know so they're, they're going to work on him quick, you know. <laughs> but then there's, there's another part of the eviction because there's a, a bluebell bee camp which they set up fairly recently, and now. They, that doesn't have an injunction on it at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that what they've done is they brought all the land round it. They surrounded the camp and they're sieging this camp so people can move around inside, inside the camp. But they can't get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get they can get out, but they can't in? get in. Like, how do you get supplies in? People like... just throw stuff in. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they got more food than they started with. 
<laughs> Rory's been in a few couple of times, I think. Uh-huh. I think he just sort of jumped jumped in, you know, before the bailiffs could get him. It sounds medieval. It sounds kind of... It does sound like old sort of castle sieging mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite mental, really, you know, and... Uh, I think they think that people will get bored, but, you know, That's there's the no way, you know, and uh, obviously they're getting on with more work, yeah. more defence whilst this is going on. So, you know, I, you would imagine. So at some point they've got to come in, probably when they get the injunction, which is, I think that's in court at the end of May. Uh-huh. And if if they manage to get that injunction, then I reckon they'll probably go into the camp okay. pretty quick then. How does a new camp, a protest camp get decided? Is it just sort of... Like, is there a sort of a high council of protesters, or is it just sort of... No, no, whoever's up for it. Um, hey, guys, do you fancy starting a new one here? That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 you might. You look at a map, try and decide, and, uh, you know, is there trees? Does it look like... What's the soil like? For me, you know, I'd go, what's the soil like? Is it, does it look like we're on a, on a floodplain? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or does it look like this? You know, if it, is, that, is that the most terrifying thing with tunnelling, the potential of a flood? Um, I wouldn't say terrifying. I've been in one that, that the water table was rising whilst we were down there. That was um, not recent. I mean, Euston was bang on the water table, so that rose slightly. Uh-huh. And basically, the way to deal with it is you just dig a bit more and then flatten. To try and get the level down Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of worked in our favour in a way that we were, but in another way, we couldn't go deep. So they could uh, use the down shafts to get to us. You don't strike me as someone who gets scared very easily of, of things that would normally terrify most people, whether it's claustrophobia or burying yourself underground, drowning alone underground, falling out of a high tree, being arrested by the police, being manhandled brutally by black ops government, whoever, I don't know. Like, yeah. why aren't you scared? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think when you dig in it, you just get used to the space you're in. Uh-huh. And also, I try and make it probably more than I used to. I mean, there was a weird... The guy, there was a guy called John who was there in the... In the the tunnel with us at Fairmile mm-hmm. and um, he came to visit us. We'd lost touch for years and he, he, lately we've been hanging, we've hung out a couple of times and the other day he was like, yeah, talking about this collapse that happened at Fairmile and it was sand, you know, it was pretty much sand soil, you know, it was really quite dodgy soil. And he was like talking about this situation where we were digging away and then this load of soil came down on us apparently. Mm-hmm. Buried the, we were Digging with a tea light, we didn't have torch a torch on, I don't know why. Buried the tea lights, so we're in complete, complete darkness, dark. we'd all this soil come down. And then he said we had to dig around and I found the tea light. And then by then the oxygen was low. So <laughs> and I was thinking, God, that was really slack, wasn't it? Like <laughs> now I wouldn't have gone far you know, I wouldn't dig more than a meter to end you know just over a meter without shoring unless it was really stable ground mm-hmm. which obviously the chalk was at uh wendover sure uh but you know it's, it's just to me that was it if, so, if if someone did that now i would be having a go at them <laughs> your <laughs> form is poor what were you doing <laughs> like you could have died you know but I, I couldn't even remember the situation happening when the alicum tunnel it was just a load of wormholes through clay mm-hmm. And that flooded, you know, visibly, whilst we were in there, bits coming down. I remember my mate, I was calling to my mate, going, come on, you've got to get out here. And then he was like going, oh, I thought we were going to wait this one out. I was like, Ian, it's not even an eviction. Get out. <laughs>
<laughs> and then, yeah, but you know, that's uh, I think because you're there and you're used to that environment. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that dodgy. You know, I wouldn't do. It sounds really dodgy, and I, I'm not like that now. You know, I'm really, um, you know, yeah, went at Euston when I got there. A lot of the time, I was trying to make at the beginning just make it safe. Sure. You know what had already been done. I read that a parent had asked you to go and was it Euston? They asked you to go and check it out to make sure that it was safe for their children that were down there. She doesn't like me saying that, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was why I visited it to check. Sure. It's safe, and it was. It wasn't. Okay. <laughs> um, so we made it safe. Um, Do you teach people? For... Like, are you a digging tutor? Um, not really. I, I guess I prefer to work with people sure. and then teach them by doing it rather than sort of do a talk on how sure. to do tunneling or whatever because I don't think the way I learn I have to do it sure you know I did think about after after Wendover we thought about right you know doing a book you know of of the techniques they're using these days because their techniques change every eviction sure okay um you know and uh we our techniques have to move with with it so you know we learnt a lot at Wendover we learnt a lot at Euston do you think you should have a mole working within the bailiffs so you can keep one header because I read that there was a time when the police had a mole inside your group Mm. who was they had more than one they had more than one yeah 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 I mean the police have recently been held up yeah belatedly for for yeah I mean one of them was uh very in there you know I mean I knew him not not well but you know I knew him um and he was sleeping with yeah children didn't you with him yeah that was a different different one but this this Kennedy was sleeping with more than one of the women over the years you Uh know um but yeah there's someone in the animal rights who had kids with her Claire knows her I don't know her do you think that these policemen lost a sense of perspective and right and wrong? Or do you think they saw it simply as a means to an end to fulfil their role that they were asked to do by their boss? I don't know. That's a very good question, isn't it? I mean, Kennedy pretends that he was getting into it. You know, actually believing in a lot of the, in the movement. You know, I mean, you can't... The thing is that... It's so silly, isn't it? I mean, that, that's that's the irony... Of, the, of it all is that you're actually doing something that you know it needs to happen mm-hmm. you're trying to get things going you're trying to save the planet basically aren't you you know through your lifestyle and through making more people aware of things and making you know bringing it up the agenda yeah you know which is um you know i mean i would argue that protest and this is a bit of a, something i say to a lot of people but right. you know protest is um you know, most most good, meaningful change has happened through protests, whether it's the suffragettes, whether it's the Black Panthers, or, yeah. you know, and not always, their means aren't always agreeable to me, to be honest, sure. sometimes, you know, different protests. But, um, you know, protest has changed a hell of a lot over the years, and, and the abol- abol- abolition of slavery, workers' rights, you know, minimum wage, you know, stuff like that. And, and you know, for them to go whilst we're trying to get people aware of the climate uh, emergency that, mm-hmm. that the planet is facing, you know, and, and literally it's worse than I thought. Yeah. You know, when you actually look into it more and more, you're like, oh my God, you know, we probably are. Yeah. You know, if we're not careful, you know, almost certainly this planet is going to be 
No, there's been. A I don't want to swear. No, no, <laughs> but, you're more. Uh, I can beep you oh, out. Fuck, yeah, no. yeah, we are. But um, there's yeah. been one of the interesting things with this podcast is a lot of people I've spoken to. Once I've pressed stop, we've mm. had a more candid conversation. Yeah. When talking to environmentalists and scientists, and they say, realistically, our best efforts, unless we, I mean, even if we start now doing it all out for it, that there's not. Well, that's it. We've got to go all out for it, yeah. and that's that's uh, you know, and then for them to go. Oh, these people, you know, let's toughen up the laws to stop these people yeah. disrupting our lives. No, climate change is going to disrupt your life in such a way that you, you won't even believe. Yeah. You know, we don't even know how bad it's going to get, you know. And, um, yeah. you know, those people that, that in power and the people that, you know, I, I, it, it needs government legislation to do it. It's the only way it's going to yeah. work. But, you know, like, you, you look at how... You know, even like the plastic bag thing, it kind of worked because they legislated. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the, and will, that was, the will of the people was there eventually. Bit. But yeah, Pardon? the will of the people followed from that top. The top followed, top, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they needed the nudge. Yeah, yeah. And we need the nudge. You know, we need the government to be able to go. No, this is really. But you know, we got to the point. You know, like a financial crash. You know, they get to the point where they have to do things yeah. which aren't. You know, this is worse, you know, this is, you know... Do you think there's anyone good in government who might, without an impending emergency, have the right intention? Or do you think they're all... The very nature of being a contemporary politician is that you're the wrong person to be doing that job? I, what I think is that, that um, there are good people in politics, probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just haven't met them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, the way it's set up, there's only two major parties uh, have any chance of getting in, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And, you know, they're, they're donated to by business. People who are in power uh, get put on boards of di- direct to board, you know, yeah. give them directorships afterwards. You know, they, they're going to make a lot of money. These people know how to play this, to play this you know, companies rule the country. Would you ever be tempted to run for office? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would make some really unpopular decisions about stopping climate change, which we'd have to do. All right, go on. Um, What's your first law? What's your first environmental policy? Well, I'd stop HS2 for a start. Um, I would probably be thinking along the lines of just... I, certainly there'd be no new oil. Um, exploration, you know, we'd have to, I think at the end of the day, you've got to say to people, look, you know, unfortunately, our lives are going to have to get a bit more yeah. primeval in a way, you know, we can't, we can't live, we can't go on the way we're doing it. Yeah. Um, I think there is, you know, there is some hope, you know, that, that uh, more people are working from home. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we, we do, perhaps don't need to use our cars as much although i think human interaction is also very important do you think there'll be a rise in sort of community living that's what i'm that's what you you kind of hope for isn't that that you know people didn't used to drive as far for work because it would happen on your doorstep you know and people would employ that person or whatever but now i suppose people are plugged in online more but i think you know keeping the village the community going is is important otherwise people are going to lose the will to live <laughs> you know, online all the time do you have any plans for what's next in protesting sense or in personal sense for that matter yeah no, i've got a few things to thinking about but um may- maybe visit other protest sites um which aren't to do with hs2 okay 
Yeah, there's there's one of um, there's a super quarry, which is material you know going to be used for materials for HS2 and road building. Is that the building. one in Somerset? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. not too far away from me. No, you been there? Yeah, I have. Oh. It's 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 a reopening of an old one and a conjoining yeah. with the current one, and it's, yeah, it's it's huge and yeah, I'm part of the local group to try and stop it. Isn't it? It's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, I could go on about this for quite some time. I'm hoping to do an episode on it. Yeah, it's that question where even like the local wildlife trust, everyone is sort of aware that because it's being sanctioned from up on high to support a massive in, a massive national infrastructure project, yeah, it's very hard to get them to see and see sense from the envir- environmental impact that it will cause. Yeah, yeah. But it's a huge quarry yeah. structure. I mean, in a way, that's that's uh, it's hitting them at the source. So it's it's a good uh, good good thing to do because if they can't do that, they can't do all the rest of it, you know. And HS2 is taking. I mean, there's a, there's an actual there's a shortage of materials because of HS2. That's how big it is, you know. And um, you know, and on top of that, Johnson's announced all these roads, uh, you know, and these big build build back better. Um, do you thing. like Boris Johnson? <laughs> I don't know him. Hey. Uh, <laughs> he's the, my answer to that. If I met him in the pub, I might like him. I probably wouldn't. Um, but I do know I'm not one of these people that thinks all people who vote Tory are bad. Sure. But do I vote? don't think I would. Yeah, I vote, yeah. You can vote as part of this area. You get a vote as in a, within a community. Yeah, I yeah. vote here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it depends who's in. When, when Corbyn was in, I voted Labour, but then I regretted it. Because Plaid nearly lost to the Tories, sure. and Plaid's the main party here, and I was like, "Oh, I should have stuck with Plaid just to keep sh- the Tories it's out." It's that shift as you get older. Yeah. When you're younger, you think that you have to vote for the party that you believe will make the most difference, otherwise they'll never get in. And then yeah. as you get older, no, I have to be canny and do some yeah political voting internally yeah. and work out who's got the best chance of anyway. But I, th- I think you know if you dis, I mean, I, I don't like. Or I obviously don't like the Tory party. I don't like. Pretty Patel, I think she's. There's something wrong with her, and I think there's something wrong with um, Boris Johnson. You know, I think they're quite nasty. I, I actually think probably they're very nasty people who don't give a toss about anyone else carrying on doing what they want to do whilst making laws. I mean, how do they expect people to stick to their laws yeah. when, they, when they can't even stick to them themselves? You know, it's it's it's. Um, it's utterly ridiculous. We're and talking it, before the Sue Gray report comes out, so who knows yeah. how watered down that will be when yeah, that comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, at the same time, I think you've got to get everyone on board, which is why I spoke to that guy from The Times, you know, mm-hmm. because you think, well, The Times has got a more right-wing readership and you, you're not going to make any changes unless you bring everyone in. Yeah. I mean, the road building programme was stopped because it became so unpopular yeah. and obviously we... I was sort of surprised that the HS2 project got such a big green light considering how much of Tory voting land that it was to go through. Yeah, it shows how much money is being made, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And the government, uh, you know, we're paying for it. Yeah. So it's 200 billion. Well, I'm, I'm going to use it every day. I'm to going their to, mates. I'm going to move Killing. to Birmingham and commute every day just to make my money back. Yeah, yeah. God. Just to end on, we have I have three questions that I ask everybody yeah. who comes on the podcast. The first one is, if you could go for a walk anywhere in the world right now, where would it be? I quite liked the Atlas Mountains when I went to Morocco once. 
or a few, couple of times. But um, what were you doing there? Just holiday? Yeah, just uh, like um, I had a very young kid, and we were travelling around, you know, um, with some friends. We went overland. But uh, I like Wales, to be honest, and I like the Brecon Beacons, so <laughs> I'd probably go for a run in the Brecon Beacons. <laughs> um, who is your natural history hero? Natural history hero? Mm. Um, I don't have one. Yes. <laughs> what about environmentally speaking? Activism Environmental speaking? Oh, act- activist hero. Well, there's quite a few, really, I suppose. John Sweeting, probably. Why so? Because he, he put a lot in and he doesn't, um, he doesn't blow his own trumpet in any way whatsoever. Do you, you know, blow your own trumpet? Probably more than him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a few people. I mean, he's not, you know, he's, he, he's, he's more on the outside, but outskirts, you know, um, but he's, he put so much in to it, but... Um, but, you know, it's hard, isn't it? Because you could say, oh, you know, or Gandhi or something like that. And you look at Gandhi, you're like, oh, there's a, someone who did things that were questionable in the, his mm-hmm. life, you know. Or Martin Luther King, oh, there's someone who, you know. There's, so there's, Mandela, you know, all you, of them, all of the great yeah, successful changes yeah, yeah. Have started in the more terrorist, arguably, wing of protest to start with. Yeah, but that was, I, I mean, I'm not, I'd never, um, I, I'm in this country, I don't support violence in the slightest do you know people who do do you think do you know people within the movement who do believe that violence might be the only way to get bigger quicker change yeah i, I know people who, who think that no change has happened without violence but i would argue that the non-violent angle was the one that actually got to the people and uh changed it so in my view i'd rather get a beating and not hit back sure which has happened, you know, but, uh, you know, I think that when you're being passive, the police find it very hard sure. to be, you know, there was one tree eviction where the police took over from the bailiffs and um, there was a lot of shouting from the other tree house and they, they came in punching with us. The police came in punching and, you know, you just have to keep talking to them and talking them down and then they they're like, they can't, be like that and then by the end you're like mate just you calm down and they're like what i didn't do anything you're like we got on camera you did (laughs) but um you know i think if you if you're if you keep it passive and try and look at the human side of people and not everyone feels like this I'd, i'd say the majority probably don't but for me i always try and advocate complete pacifism on our part. Do you think the Police Crime and Sentencing Bill will increase the amount of violence? I hope not. But, the, 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 I mean, there's, there's a problem, isn't it? That, that if you outlaw every reasonable angle for protest, you're going to get a riot. Mm-hmm. And uh, riots can... I'm not saying riots are good. I, I, uh, riots can bring about change. I mean, it did with the poll tax. Mm-hmm for instance you know other examples as well but but rights can but i don't think i i personally think if you manage to get a change through violence you often get someone you don't want in charge afterwards you know i think peaceful coups and peaceful change is 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 the best bet you know that we've got 
but I, I, I think, you know, if climate change starts getting so bad, you would imagine that there will be a mass uprising. But, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I wouldn't want to advocate that because I don't think it's the best way of yeah. going about things. You know, I think the reason why we've been so successful in the road, there were incidents of violence, of course, from sure. the, you know, from both sides then. But um, on the whole, it was a very peaceful way of doing things. And, um, you know, when you're locked onto a concrete block... It's very hard to be violent to someone. <laughs> oh, you're not going to be violent, are you? <laughs> or if you're going to, you know, if you're sitting down a tunnel, you know, you've got to get off of those bailiffs <laughs> because... You know, at the end of the day, they're yeah. in charge of your safety. Yeah. You know, and if you get eggy with them, what what does that achieve? Yeah. You know, I, I've never found, you know, of course there's been times when you're talking to someone or you're talking to one of the security or they've done something that, and you, you know, you get a bit shouty with them. It hasn't helped the situation in the slightest. Sure. You know, whereas, um, you know, I think non-violence has, yeah. Last question. If you could bring any species back from extinction, what would it be? Well, maybe a mammoth. <laughs> Great answer. Yeah. Great for I don't know if I would the because it, well. it would probably upset the sort of uh, wildlife of that area. It might be some predator, you know, or and perhaps lynxes into this country would be good. Well, the head of the lynx trust lives in Wales. So. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. Wales will be the first place the links to come back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's it's hard to say because to, you know, once you once something's not there, you yeah. know, it's hard to say. Oh, that would be good if they came back, because it might just upset the ecology of that area so badly because it's all changed around that, sure. doesn't it? Yeah. You know. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe a pterodactyl. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> There's the headline. Swampy says, "Bring back the pterodactyl." That's not going to be the headline. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Thank Wicked. you very much. Cool. That was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have nothing else to say other than thank you. Yeah, nice to chat. A massive thank you to Dan and indeed to Claire and their whole family for inviting me into their roundhouse to record that interview. As a quick update, the Bluebell camp that Dan mentioned in this episode is currently facing an imminent eviction and the High Speed 2 rail link project continues apace, albeit in a slightly truncated form. But if you would like to know more about that, about Dan and about all that we discussed, then please head across to treesacrowd.fm where you will find links on pretty much everything. And with that, thank you as always for listening and we will be back with you in one month's time. Bye bye. Oh, the oak and the ivy, oh, the oak and the ivy, oh. This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk.